of God refining us to be just like Jesus. There's a lot of breaking off that God does and refining. And, and a lot of it has to do with the attitudes in our heart. God wanting to you know, change the way that we think and see and operate. And the last time we met, we looked at the spirit of offence. You know, when somebody says something to us and we get hurt and wounded and then we react. And so we get bitter or we get resentful or we begin to hate people when God really says we need to forgive and we need to love. And the challenge went out to go and restore any relationships that needed to be fixed up. And there's a lot of people that went and did that. But today I want to talk about addictions. And... uh, You know, we're all people that struggle with addiction in some way, shape or form in our life. It's a very difficult thing to get through at times. And I'm not just talking about substance abuse. I'm talking about anything in our life that becomes addictive behaviour that that really isn't helpful in moving us towards being like Christ. And addiction is the continued repetition of a behaviour despite adverse consequences or a neurological or spiritual impairment leading to such behaviours. Addictions can include but are not limited to substance abuse, exercise, food, computers, IT, gambling, pornography. And the classic hallmarks of addiction include impaired control over substances or behaviour, preoccupation with substances or behaviour, and continued use despite negative consequences. And often when we have an addiction, we live in denial of it. We don't even want to recognise that it's there. Habits and patterns associated with addiction are typically characterised by immediate gratification. So we get a short-term reward. I drink my beer or my wine. I have a couple of wines. I feel better. But there's long-term consequences that are not good for me as a spiritual, physical being trying to serve a holy God. So the one thing that we should be addicted to is God. Everything else we should have order and control over. But we need not to be finger-pointing at everybody else because we've all got addictions. Every one of us sitting here today has got addictions that I believe God would want us to deal with to get them right before Him so that He's in control over us and nothing else is. You know, one of the beautiful things in Scripture is that the greatest man in the New Testament struggled with addiction. (laughs) So we're not alone. This is what Paul wrote. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if Paul was struggling, we're struggling. But there is a way to victory. There is a pathway we can get there. So what happens with an addiction is we start off with a a belief system or or a a pattern of behaviour that becomes part of our internal identity. It's not something we do occasionally, it becomes becomes habitual. 
something we do repetitively. It becomes like a familiar pattern that we build up in our life. And if it's a spiritual thing, it becomes like a familiar spirit to us. It's just there all the time. It becomes sort of part of us and we don't see the damage it's doing so much anymore. Or even if we do begin to see the damage, we don't have the, the power to break it over our lives. So we keep falling into this trap of trying to quit, but then we fail. And then because we fail, we feel hopeless. And that sort of starts this spiral starting to spin. And then someone comes along and questions us and says, you know, you're drinking too much or you're doing this or you're doing that. And a good way to tell if it's an addiction is that you will react to that person's confrontation. When it's exposed, when you're challenged about it, you'll go, no, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. What are you talking about? And, and it's actually a really good sign that you do have an addiction. I remember my mum used to always have a go at me about my drinking. Oh, I don't have a drinking problem, mum. But I knew that I did. <laughs> I just didn't want to admit it. Um, and then what happens with our addiction is it begins to get control of our life and it, and it begins to rob us of our, our purpose and our destiny in God. It begins to taint that. And sometimes it can become very debilitating. And addictions can have all sorts of forms in our life. They're not just whether you smoke or drink. They're just side things, really. We can have addictive um, patterns of behaviour in terms of what we see in pornography. We can be addicted to Facebook. You know, we can be addicted to really anything in life. It be can become controlling and we're not free to live the life God wants us to live. We're still tied to stuff in our past and God wants to set us free from that. And what happens is we, we ease the pain of the struggle by going back to that thing that gives us that short-term fix and then we go round in the cycle, round and round again. So how do we stop the cycle of addiction? It's really what we're asking ourselves today. There's two ways you can look at this subject. You can look at the symptoms. So someone who smokes or someone who drinks or whatever, to me they're the, the outward behaviours of something that's got a deeper root cause. The smoking's not really the problem. It's what's going on in that person's heart and mind that has set up this pattern of behaviour. Now, we can ask that person to stop smoking, but if we haven't dealt with the root cause, another addictive behaviour will start. So we've got to get to the root cause, and I believe we need to look at our hearts. If we want to get changed lives, we need to come back and get a changed heart because a changed heart will change the behaviour. You can change the behaviour, but it doesn't change the person's heart. You really need to get down into the root cause of why there is this addiction. And I want to take you down a little bit of a path that you're probably not expecting, but I believe addiction is idolatry. And I, and I, want, to, I want to show you why. It's a bigger issue. And I want to show you a, a, a biblical example, which I hope will demonstrate what I'm trying to say. This comes out of Isaiah. A carpenter measures a block of wood and he draws a pattern on it. He works with his chisel and his plane and he carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in, in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars, he selects the cypress and the oak, he plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of the wood and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, that fire feels good. 
And then he takes what's left and makes his God a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshipping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says, you are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stopped to reflect. Why? It's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? You see, this is what happens with addiction. The carpenter uses the tree God created in part for proper use. The timber he burns, he cooks his meat, he bakes his bread, it keeps him warm. Everything that can become addictive actually has a godly purpose to it. There's nothing wrong with wine. There's nothing wrong with alcohol used in the right purposes. But suddenly we can cross this line where it gets a stranglehold on us and we pervert its proper use for it. So he crosses this line and enters into an improper relationship by fashioning an idol and bowing down and worshipping the same timber as his God and Saviour. So that's idolatry. It's foolishness. But he's actually blind to the fact that he's a fool. (laughs) He doesn't even see that part of what he's doing is okay, but the second part of it is just utter foolishness. He's creating an idol. So God has given us things and when they are used for the purpose God intended, it is good. Now, sex is good. There's nothing wrong with it. God created us to have sex in a defined relationship with a husband and wife and within those parameters, God says, go for it. But the moment we step outside those parameters, we use what God intended for good for something that is perverted, then it becomes addictive then it becomes something that we really don't want to be part of our life. And we can say the same thing about everything. Money's not wrong, but money, if we don't use it the right way, can suddenly become addictive and become an idol in our life. Food, there's nothing wrong with food. We've all got to eat. But suddenly we can become gluttons. Suddenly we can abuse food to the point where we're now abusing our own bodies and we've got addictions to food. It doesn't matter what you apply it in. It can be the internet. It can be sports. You know, God loves sport. He created us to be physical. But our football can become our God and we can suddenly get into addictive patterns of behaviour. And the sad thing is oftentimes idolatry is linked in with addiction and we don't see what it is doing to us. We don't see the full implications of how it's robbing us from living the life that God wants us to live. So how do we deal with it? The first thing is we've got to recognise the struggles that we've got. Dr Phil has this great saying, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And so we need to be people that are asking God all the time, Lord, is there anything that's in control of my life that you don't want there? Are you on the throne of my heart or have I elevated something up above God? Because that's idolatry. You will have no other gods before me. So God's jealous for our time. He's jealous for the things that we give our attention and our affection to. And if we overstep that fine line, then it becomes idolatry. So what is that root cause that's driving us towards addiction? We need to ask God to reveal it to us. 
So we can say that's what it is and be honest before God. Because the Holy Spirit will show us, even if we're not aware, if you start asking God, show me what's out of order in my life, I guarantee you that he will. Because he wants to. He wants to have that place in our life. But that's a dangerous prayer to pray. See, that's what the man with the carved idol never asked. He never asked, am I being a fool? Am I doing the right things? He didn't ask that because God would have said, you are. Don't make an idol out of it. Use it for your timber. Use it for your wood. Use it for cooking your food. But don't turn it into something it's not supposed to be in God's economy. So God will expose what has become improper and he will highlight what needs to be addressed. So we can all have a place in our heart that we don't recognise is addicted and idolatrous. And I can guarantee you, all of us do. If we were totally transparent before God today, I'm pretty sure God would say, Mark, I want you to fix that. Or Mark, you've let that become more important than it needs to be. And we need to be on this constant asking God to not let us get things out of order in our life. We will never recognise the full extent of that condition until we ask the Lord to reveal and bring revelation to our blinded perspective. So once we know what it is, so Lord, I've got this addiction to smoking or I've got this addiction to Facebook, I just can't get off it and it's you know being consumed by it or whatever it is, can be anything. Once we know what it is, then we've got to dethrone it. Recognise it is one thing. Getting it back into its proper order and perspective, that's where the struggle comes. We've got to dethrone it off the throne of our heart and put God back there and we've got to deal with this thing. But that's where we get into a struggle. So how do we overcome? A man approached Jesus and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And this is what Jesus said, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. So Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that very moment. If we really want to overcome addiction once and for all, dethrone the God set up in our heart and break the bondage of the thing that chained us to addiction, we need to understand these two words, unbelieving and perverse. They have great significance because this was a stronghold that the, the disciples were trying to break and they couldn't break it. And then Jesus came and gave them some insight into how you deal with something that has a very strong grip on somebody's life, either your own or somebody else's. And he used these two words, they're strong words, unbelieving and perverse. To be someone who is unbelieving is really just to say, I'm not connected to God enough. So he was saying, and the, and the interesting thing about this story is that the disciples came to Jesus privately. <laughs> they were too embarrassed to ask him in public, Lord, why couldn't we drive this demon out? They came privately and, and he explained to them that you are unbelieving, you're not connected enough to God. So if I have an addiction, part of the reason that I have an addiction is because I'm not tucked in enough to God. I don't have an intimate enough relationship with him. But the other side of that statement is that to be perverse is to be too connected to the world. 
And so if I'm going to try and draw myself closer to God, but I'm not willing to disconnect myself from the world, I'm not going to get anywhere. And if I'm going to try and disconnect myself from the world, but but not draw myself near to God, I've still got the same problem. I haven't resolved where I need to go. So Jesus was saying to the disciples and to the crowd that generally as a people, we're too self-reliant. There's a shift that we need to make that brings us closer to God. But he's also highlighting that there's a disconnect that needs to happen between us and the world. And it's no good trying to get closer to God and do the first part of the equation if you don't do the second part because you're still chained to the world. You've got to sever the chain to the world and you've got to draw near to God and then you'll be able to break your addiction. Then the the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So you have unbelieving and perverse prayer and fasting. They mirror each other. Because prayer connects us to God. If we're in a state of prayer, if we go into a, you know, a 21-day um, season where we want to press into God and really get deep into God and really move in with Him, what we're doing, we're doing the first part of it. We're not unbelieving anymore. We're pressing into God. We're really trying to get close to Him. Because prayer, when we pray, it increases our faith. It increases our dependency upon God. Now, I'm not just talking about a 911 prayer. God, I'm going into a meeting, help me. I'm talking about a very focused, dedicated season of prayer where we, we press into God to break this thing over our life. It's close, intimate, focused prayer. You've heard about you know, all the different churches, the Bill Hybels 40-day fast, there's a Daniel fast, there's all sorts of fasts and prayers that we can do. But that's the other side of it. To pray is one thing, to fast is another. And fasting is an intentional disconnect that is from something that has become an idol. So fast from whatever the Lord shows you is crowding His rightful place on the throne of your heart. So we pray and we fast together because by fasting we're disconnecting from the world and by praying we're pressing into God. That's how we'll have the victory in our life. Does that make sense? So firstly, we've got to recognise and if we don't recognise, we ask God to reveal. Lord, show me. And then we repent. Lord, I'm so sorry I let that thing get that stronghold in my life, but I want to break it. And then we set a course to draw closer to God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I suggest, encourage, urge you to do this in partnership with somebody that you trust. So if you know you've got a stronghold in your life, don't try and do it on your own. Be accountable. Ask someone to keep you accountable to that thing in your life and the the pathway to get free. So set yourself up 21 days of fasting or some milestone that you know you're going to be able to really intentionally set your focus on God and say, Lord, I want to break this. And you get up every morning and you declare that over your life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. So God, I'm pressing into you today and I'm asking you, Lord, to give me victory over this thing that's had control of my life. I don't want it to be there anymore. I want to break its power. 
But then you start to stop that thing or whatever is a trigger for that thing. So if you have an addiction to pornography, don't go on the computer. Does that make sense? Because if you have not got control over this thing in your life, you need help to get control. The best person to help you is God. And so by pressing into Him and praying and asking, God will increase your faith. He'll increase your strength. But then there's also the break from the world, the break from the pattern of behaviour. You know, it takes 22 days to break a pattern in your life, they say, something like that. So 21 days of prayer and fasting is a good target. Why? Because spiritually it will draw you near to God, but in the practical breaking of the habit, if you can go for 21 days without it, then you're pretty clear of that thing. And then it's just a matter of in moderation setting your life up so that nothing gets control over you. So set a plan to abstain from the addiction and the triggers. You've got to break the worldly pattern, but you've got to press into God. You've got to stop being unbelieving, stop being perverse, start praying and start fasting. Now, for most people with most addictions, you can do the first three and you'll break through. You will break through. But sometimes there are generational curses that come down from your parents or your grandparents or their parents that you inherit that pattern of behaviour in your life. And it's a very difficult thing to break. If you look back through your family tree, you can see a line of alcoholics or a line of people that you know have these behaviours or it could be divorce or it could be any pattern of addictive behaviour that's sort of got a smother over your family that you want to break. Sometimes you need help to sever those deeper spiritual bonds. So we renounce those patterns of behaviour that have gone back through our family tree. That's why things like freedom in Christ and those sort of prayer ministry things are a concentrated way of just cleaning out the closet, asking God the question, Lord, what's in Mark's life that needs to go? What's out of balance? What's out of order? I can tell you God will show you. He will show you. Whether or not you want to go the hard yards to break it, is another question, but God will show you. And it can happen so subtly. It can. It can happen really subtly. You become someone who just likes being on Facebook, but then suddenly that thing becomes all-consuming and your whole life is being played out on Facebook. Is Facebook wrong? No, not as a tool. But most things that we have addictions to have a good place in our life or they have an overpowering place in our life. And God wants us to be free from the things of this world so that he's on the throne of our life. He doesn't want us to have a substance that has more control over us than God does. He doesn't want us to have a computer screen and a social life on an internet that consumes more time than our time with God. And so I think if we're going to be a people that want to be holy because God is holy, then that whole purpose of holiness is that that process of sanctification, you know? Like you can come into here today as as someone who's bound up in alcoholism and be taking ice and be messed up totally and God can save you and he'll love you completely, but then he also wants to walk you out of all those addictions so that you're totally free. Could happen in an instant or it could be a process. 
And so in that process, we call that being sanctified, God making us holy. It's a constant walk of saying, God, set me free. About the third year, no, it was the first year we started in ministry, I realised I had not dealt with my addiction to pornography. So when I was a young kid, about Sam's age, about 16, I hung around with a bunch of guys and their idea was a good, of a good time was to sit around and watch pornos. And so I fed my mind with all those images and, and things. And so what that does in your mind is it perverts what sex is and it perverts your perspective of what a woman is and how you should treat her. And so I came to Christ and I gave my life to God, but there was a stronghold in my life that I had not broken. And so I abstained from watching movies or buying magazines. I was not feeding it, but it was still there because I hadn't broken it. And so that's the difference. I had to go. Some of you will remember Graham Serkin that preached at our last church camp. Had to go to Graham at a youth camp that I was leading and say, mate, I'm struggling. Now, the way I made my account myself accountable was I took Cheryl with me. She needed to know that I was struggling because she was the one person that could help me most. So it wasn't just the stopping the behaviour, it was breaking the power of that behaviour over my life because I still had the lure, I still had the stronghold, I still had the enemy in my voice dropping those messages in that I needed that and I didn't need it because I wanted to be right with God. Now we've all got addictions. We all have. We all have codependency with people in our life that are not healthy for us. We need to break those relationships that are dragging us down, not building us up. There could be substances that we're addicted to. It could be the internet. It could be all sorts of things. It can be money. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it'll be different for all of us in varying degrees. But what I really want to encourage you is we, you don't want to be dragging around all this baggage in your life because it robs you from being free in God. Having money is a wonderful thing and handling it the right way is a wonderful thing. It's so freeing, but so many of us are so bound up by money. It rules our life instead of us ruling over it through God. You know, what a, what a waste to go and buy cigarettes all the time and waste all that money. It could be doing something so much better. Is smoking a bad thing? Who cares? It's not the smoking, it's just that this little thing's got control of your life. Why would you want it to? You want God in control of your life. He's the Lord and Master, not that little nicotine thing. And I'm not picking on anybody today, okay? I want every one of us to walk in freedom. And that goes for me as much as anybody else. Now, I've stopped drinking just recently because I realised my one drink was starting to become two. And I've decided, no, I don't want that thing to control my life. I don't need it. So I'm just going to stop. Why? Because I want God to be Lord of my life. Did it have control of my life? No, but was it getting there? It could have. It had the potential. And I've got an addictive personality. If I start something, I start something. And I don't want that to rule my life. I want God to rule my life. And then when Ken Fish was here a couple of months ago, he was teaching some of our leaders and he read out of Titus and he said, not be given to much wine. And I started to realise that part of my coping mechanism when I'm tired is just go and have a glass of wine. No, I want to go to God. I want him to be the one that renews me and strengthens me. It's not that we're 
you know, we're out of control completely and that we're a basket case and we need to get, you know, therapy. It's just, just little things become big things very slowly, subtly overnight and then suddenly you've got this thing built in your life that's so hard to break because it's become a, a, a constant pattern of behaviour and I believe God wants to set us free. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. The scripture says that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And Lord, I just want to ask you this morning. Lord, while I've been speaking this morning, I know that you've just been bringing awareness to people of things that you want to address. Not because you want to condemn us, but because you want to put your arms around us and, and free us from those ties that bind us, those things that, that strangle us from really walking in the freedom and the wholeness that you so desire for us, Lord. And, you know, my problem with one thing could be a victory for somebody else. It's not the way it works. But, Father, you, you just want to put your finger on our lives and say, just this thing, would you deal with that today? Lord, we're a group of people that want to walk in holiness. I know the hearts of the people here, Lord God. They are great people. People who I would lay my life down for because I believe in them. And I know the desire of their heart is to serve you. But Lord, it's so easy to let something from the world come up and latch on. And it's not like we're not saved and it's not like we're not going to heaven. But there's just this, not this complete victory that we're walking in. It's like a fence when we get wounded and we get bitter. Then it's like a cancer that sets in. Well, so is addiction. It's something that's robbing us from walking free in God. And Lord, we want to be a people of liberty and freedom. And so, Lord, no, I'm not here today to preach about giving things up. That's up to you, Lord. I'm just here to encourage people today to be sure that nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ as lordship and mastery over your life. And if there is something that is controlling you or you cannot walk away from without a struggle, you cannot give it up, then it, by definition it is showing you that it has you captive. Lord, we want to break every chain. That's how we started singing today. I didn't choose that song, you did. Break every chain. Nothing holding me back from you. That's really what we're saying, Lord. We want to be people that don't come with baggage into worship. We just come free. So, Lord, I pray this morning that there would be recognition and revelation and repentance. Then we can have prayer and fasting. But Lord, if I'm not willing to say I've got a problem, I've got a struggle, then nothing will ever change. Is this easy? No, it's not. But this is the nitty gritty of working out our life in Christ and drawing on his power and his authority. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. There's nothing over which he does not have control or cannot have control. And so, Lord, it might be a struggle for us, but it's not for you.
And that's what we cling on to. That in our weakness, you can make us strong. And those bondages, you just want to break. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you if there's something you want to break over your life today. If there's a, an addiction that you're aware of, I just want you to stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to tell me what it is. I'm just going to pray for you. Father, you know us oh so well. There's a passage in Scripture that talks about the little foxes coming and spoiling the vine by just chewing away. At the end, the vine's in tatters. God, it's often the little things in life that begin as small and grow into something that festers and becomes a a hold upon us which you, which you just see as robbing us. And Lord, we want to break the chains today of that thing which this person is declaring over their life today. Lord, we want to break its power in Jesus' Name that it would no longer have the authority or the pull or the lure or the sense of it being an addictive thing anymore, Lord God. Because in Jesus' name, there is power to break the bondage. And so, Father, we want to confess this morning those things that we've allowed to crowd out and to become idols in our life are really robbing you of your Lordship. And so, Lord, today we just come and we lay them at the altar and we know that they were paid for at Calvary that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this is not about guilt or shame. This is about freedom and release and a pathway to walk in the fullness that God has planned for us, to walk in that abundance that God has for us. So Lord, I thank you for the courage of these people today, Lord God. I thank you that they're willing to expose it, that it's no longer in the darkness, but it's in the light. And Lord, I want to pray that you would give them someone that they can trust, who they can share their struggle with, who can walk alongside them in prayer and in fasting. And if one of these people comes to you today and asks you to walk with them, consider it an incredible privilege. But don't go the journey alone. Find someone who you can trust, someone who you know will keep your struggle in confidence and share what you're wanting to work through and have them walk through with you. But know that you do not go alone, that your Lord and King will give you all you need to break it today. Thank you, Lord. So Father, today, we give whatever it is you've revealed to us, however it's got out of order in your sight. And we ask you, Father, to bring it back into alignment so that it's pleasing to you, Lord, and it's right in your sight. Thank you, God, that you are a God who restores order. 
puts things in proper balance. No matter what that thing is that's out of control. Lord, I know that you will put your arms around us today. Thank you, Lord.